Hello, I'm Howard, and welcome to the Friday Show, the 9320 Friday Show. That is the show that enjoyed watching the clash of champions last night in the Europa League playoff. Champions of TikTok, perhaps. We'll never sing that. As always, we're looking back at a great week for Manchester City, much needed after a terrible week for Manchester City, as the villains beat the villains 3-1 and then beat Arsenal for the 11th time in a row in the league by the same score. I'll be chatting to Forest fan Greg, and then previewing us together Saturday afternoon's match at the City Ground. A potential banana skin? We will see. Uh, to discuss all this, I am delighted to be joined by two mentality monsters. It's Lloyd and George. Uh, good morning, Lloyd. First, how are you doing? Morning. Well, yeah, what a week. Yeah. Bit different to... I can't believe it's last Monday that the, the whole Premier League thing happened. It feels like... <laughs> feels like it was about a year ago 11 days ago a lot has happened hasn't it a lot has happened that's been a long long 11 days yeah a lot of podcasts have been done not just by <laughs> us <laughs> yeah i think my the the laptop's worn out now from all the recording of shows but hey it's it's never it's never dull is it so no it's definitely not been dull definitely not been dull yeah uh george good morning good morning good morning how are you doing Yep, still still on cloud nine, still buzzing after that win uh, on Wednesday. And like you say, uh, that Spurs defeat and the charges the following few days does feel like an age ago now. Does show how fast football moves, doesn't it? It does indeed. Uh, we've got a lot to discuss, so we'll crack on. Uh, just first, before we look back at the week, and I'm absolutely looking forward to looking back at that week, uh, we're going to focus mostly on Arsenal, of course. Uh, <laughs> the dust has only just settled on that great performance. This morning, there's been more links City with Mason Mount in the press, which, and I thought it's worth asking your two's views on uh, the potential signing of Mount. I, I'm pretty sure, he, yeah, Lloyd said off air, that he's, his contract, he'll only have a year left in the summer, so he could be, could be quite cheaper deal than he would normally would have been and he's refused a new contract uh, probably after a lot more than the 80 grand a week he's on at the moment if hypothetically City were to sign such a player I can guarantee this would be a very divisive uh, signing as shown by my Twitter timeline this morning so I'm just interested to spend a few minutes wondering uh, getting your views on Mason Mount if he was was to sign for City how you would feel about that George I'm going to start with you is it a transfer rumor that excites you or does it worry you? It's a strange one. I think if you'd asked me a year or two ago, I, w- I would have been totally, totally against it. And I don't know whether that's, you know, because um, Mount was always brought into the comparisons with Foden and stuff. And you all, I was constantly saying, you know, Foden's better than Mount, Mount's nowhere near his <laughs> yeah. level, etc. And I don't know if that had impacted maybe my view on him. And the more these rumours continue... And especially if we can get him on a cheap or even a free in a year's time, if that were to, if he was to run his contract right down, I think it would actually be a good deal. Especially if we were are to lose one of Bernardo or Gundo or both in the summer, I think he is fairly versatile, and I think that's something Guardiola would like. He he can play in the traditional positions in midfield, but then he could push into the front three behind the striker. Um. I guess the only problem would be his his wages. If if he if he's on eighty grand or something at yeah. the moment a week, and apparently it's stolen at Chelsea because he's asking for three hundred grand a week wow. or north of that, and 
that if if we were to pay him that that would put him you know kind of near the the KDB not far off KDB levels and ahead of a lot of the squad so I, that, I don't know how divisive that would be in the camp as well but as a player the more I think about it I actually am warming to the idea but I didn't think I would be saying that a couple of years ago Lloyd your thoughts I mean there's a lot of ifs buts and maybes here uh, the ifs, buts and maybes are who's leaving. Uh, also, who else is coming in, I think. I'm not... I was very lukewarm when I saw this this link. But again, it's one of those where, well, it depends who else is coming in. If he's one of like five players coming in, I can absolutely see the sense in that. But in isolation, it leaves me feeling cold, this. Then I realised he was, has been Chelsea's play, voted player of the year at Chelsea for two seasons on a row. But he's never been one that's excited me as a player. So where do you stand on this? Mm. Yes, I think he's quite a difficult player to evaluate me as a man. Um, I've got a few good friends that are Chelsea fans. And yeah, I mean, he's been there, pretty much been their star boy for like the last two seasons. He's with Rhys James, like the first name on the team sheet. Um, and, you know, when they've not had a number nine properly, which again has kind of been for the last two seasons with Havertz, his relative struggles and Lukaku. He's been there, I think, top scorer and like top assister. So he's been good for them. But for City, I'm, uh, I think I said when this first came up, I'm a bit, I'm a bit ambivalent to this. I'm, I don't hate it. I don't I absolutely hate it because I think there's de- he definitely strikes me as someone that Pep could get more of a tune out of. But I'm also not in love with it at all and I think there are better options out there so I think my concerns are a couple of things A I think whilst Mount plays as like probably like an 8 I don't think he's like a City style 8 in the sense of I don't think his passing is good enough Um, he's more of a kind of um, he's more of kind of a a shoot uh yeah, he's, he take he takes a lot more shots, I think, than than like Gundogan, De Bruyne, Bernardo, and I'm not sure he can dictate a game like those guys can. And I'm not sure that's something that Pep would be able to get out of him. I think he's he's more of a kind of vertical transitional number eight, which is why I think he would, for example, suit Liverpool a lot better. And I think that's probably where I'll end up going. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other concern is I just think there are better players available on the market. So for example. I would much prefer James Madison to Mason Mount. <laughs> We've argued with Asan. I see yeah. Asan's reply would be Mason Mount's more of a Pep type player than James Madison is. I'm not. I, I'm not sure. I, I agree with that. To be honest, um, I think Madison's a detriment naturally because he hasn't played for a big six team, um, and so he hasn't played in like a super aggressive style of football every week, and he hasn't played in the Champions League. But mm. I think Madison's got a more well-rounded game than Mount. And I think Madison's numbers are way better. And I just think he would style... I actually think he stylistically would, would be a much better fit. Um, he's shown he can play wide and still kind of add creativity to his game. But I think his best position is centrally. And I think I think the thing with Madison is he's he's got incredibly good feet. And technically, he's very good in tight areas. Whereas Mount, I don't think is. Mount's a bit more of a functional player, which is why I think he suits Liverpool because I think Mount is great when he's got a lot of space ahead of him and he can kind of play in transition. Whereas 
Madison, for me, I think, is a bit more adept to City's style. So I would respectfully disagree with Can Madison take a corner, though? That's the... <laughs> Madison can take a great corner, yeah. Yeah, just to um, bring him on for that. It's like bringing on Clive Allen in an American football match to take the uh, the kicks or something. Exactly, uh, just yeah. before I go back to George quickly, because it's one thing that George mentioned, it's like the feet. Does it matter if he's available on a cheap deal in the summer, cheaper than normal, let's say 30 million or free next year, does it change for you whether we should sign him or not? Or is it a binary choice? He's either good enough or not and the fee's irrelevant? No, it's definitely a factor because ultimately I think you've got to try and take advantage of Chelsea's situation. So they've got their player of the year from the last two years, a guy who they have Given if this had happened a year ago, he'd be on probably the same wage that they offered to Reese James, and they'd have signed him on a six-year deal or something silly. Now, obviously, Chelsea's world has completely flipped on its head in the last six, twelve months, and they've signed so many players, and Mount hasn't been in the starting eleven as much over the last few games. So, yeah, I think if if City were to do the deal, and look, I'm not enamoured with it at all then I think we would it would need to be low fee, decent wages and probably like the second centre mid signing to mm. a key signing. Yeah, that's and that's then, key in a way. If he's if it's alongside signing Bellingham and a left back and someone else, like a wide player, it's like look at them collectively and you go, Well fair enough. Yeah, that's quite good. It it kind of depends on what else is happening, I think mm. will dictate how happy I am. If it was to hypothetically happen, of course, yeah. He just, he screams out Liverpool to me, Yeah, to be honest. They have been linked with him and it's it seems that's probably more likely where he'll go. Just finally, George, I've, been, I've seen people mention as well that he's a perfect replacement for Ilkay Gundogan. Uh, <laughs> I find it hard to, no chance. to say he's as good as Ilkay Gundogan. Perhaps that just ties in in a way, just still, how criminally underrated Ilkay Gundogan is as much as what we think of Mason Mount. Yeah, I think um, I think it happens with a fair few City players that have had times where they're not in the team every week. People just assume that they're not as good as players that are playing ahead of them, like the De Bruyne's and Bernardo's that have sometimes started ahead of Gundo. But he's probably one of our or the signing of of the Pep era in terms of the price you paid, the amount of time he spent, and the big moments he's provided. He is criminally underrated by most of the other, um, the wider football world. How he can operate in those tight spaces, be solid at the back, his passing range can be a goal threat if needed. He's he's an incredible player, and um, if he does go, we will notice his absence a lot. Yeah, agree. Right, that's enough transfer talk. Let's look back at that week. Uh, yeah, it's not been bad, has it? <laughs> George, I'll stay with you. Uh, compared to the previous one, how has your mood about City changed since last Sunday, Monday? Yeah, I mean, after the Spurs and and then the charges, I was, I was just, I wasn't like majorly upset. I was just avoiding kind of all football content <laughs> as best I could. Yeah. I was, you know, listening to random audio books just to avoid. You listening to the usual podcasts that I do, or watching the the the, the Sky Sports news, all that kind yeah, of stuff. You, you can tell how City do by the podcasts I listen to uh, at <laughs> night. It's like I'm not listening to football podcasts all week this week. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly that. So 
Uh, then, but then, as the Villa game grew closer, you know, I started to get back in the in the in the swing of things, and and that was a nice win. But obviously, I was I was kind of it sounds it sounds arrogant to say, but I was expecting that because I thought that you know the fans were all dead up for it, the players mm. would have been as well. So that win was like that was kind of more expected. And then when it came to this Arsenal match, it was all up in the air. You know, I would I would have probably taken a draw. Oh yeah. When, when it was one all at half time, I thought, Oof, if if we can hang on to this, it's it's not so bad. They're they're dead up for it, and we're, we're looking strong at the back. But a we'll draw be great. And then the way we came out in that second half, um, you could see the shift mentally, the drive we had, and um, yeah, my mood has been brilliant the rest of the week after that Arsenal in it, and it has made me more optimistic for the rest of the season. You know, a big a big performance like that in our biggest league game of the season, it. it it has instilled a massive amount of confidence in me. Mm. Lloyd, what about you? Has it invig- yeah, reinvigorated you for the remainder of the season? Are you you feeling that passion you know, about going for league title, the Champions League and all that sort of thing that perhaps wasn't there two weeks ago? Yeah, it's definitely added like 10-15% back into the uh, into the old cockles. Thing. <laughs> the mojo. <laughs> the mojo, yeah. I think a, a, big, a big result a big result like that is just, you know, it, there's nothing else like it really, is there, to get you, no. t- to get the kind of juices flowing. Um, particularly when it's, when you feel like the odds are slightly against you. So, you know, it's at Arsenal. Arsenal haven't lost at Arsenal this season. You know, yes, they're not in great form, but they've been, they've been pretty imperious up until about the last 10 days. Um, and we're kind of feeling our way back into form. So, I, I think it was a, it was a huge result, big big performance second half, and you know after after Villa I was starting to feel a bit more positive about it because genuinely genuinely after after the Spurs away game I thought nah we're not challenging for the title this season there's just too yeah. there are too many things not wrong with this that are wrong with this team and look I have no problem reflecting on having said that because I think that is exactly how I felt at the time, but it's also justified to have felt that. But unfortunately, as Gary Neville has been proven correct, um, things Stops can change. Clock. Thing, yeah, things can change very quickly in football. And I think a lot of the confidence that we're all feeling now comes from the fact that Arsenal really have hit a blip in the last kind of two weeks. They've gone loss, loss, draw, loss, um, you know, which is not a good run. Uh, I don't even think we've had a run like that this season of four games, even though we've had a couple of bad results pinned to each other. So that really has swung things. And, you know, I think we've seen a few signs as well on the pitch of things that we weren't seeing and why we were so kind of down on things, which was, you know, where's, why is De Bruyne not starting in big games? Where the hell is Ruben Diaz? Why can't we pass to Haaland? You know, a lot of that has kind of resolved itself somewhat in the last, 10 days as well so Mm. things change very quickly and you know now Arsenal face an incredibly difficult game tomorrow where I think I said we said this on the review but I think if they don't win I think the the wheels could fall off a little bit I think it's a huge huge game for them so I'll be uh, I'll be there with brew in hand 1230 seeing what's what's potentially about to unfold at Villa Park Mm. George, I stated this categorically two weeks ago. 
City are not going on a long winning run. It's just, it's one of those seasons it, it felt it just wasn't happening. There's too many issues. The team aren't playing well enough. Now, obviously, we're going to preview the Forest match, and that's a tricky match for us as well. It's not just Arsenal. They've got a tricky match. I think we both have, in a way. Uh, so it could, you know, the winning run could be a little more than two games. But what's changed in the last 11 days? Do you feel you've got the old city back and that they're more likely to go on a long winning run to secure the league? Or do you feel there's still issues with this side? Um, I, I think the issues are starting to resolve themselves, but I don't feel like we or anybody else in the league is going to go on a seven, uh, you know, a, yeah. a fifteen game winning run this season. I think too too many teams have issues, um, like players injuries, ro- the squads, you know, rotating a lot, um, people not firing as much. You saw it, seen it a bit with Arsenal now. Martinelli's starting to get hooked off early. Trossard's coming in. He started a game. Um, with us, we, 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 I think Pep will still continue to tinker a bit um, and shuffle in the pack. I think the games, the seasons rather, where we have got on these long winning runs, the team has largely always remained the same with maybe one or two changes in the midfield or um, in attack. We, we usually leave the defence um, unchanged in those big runs, whereas I think this season the defence will continue to rotate. But I think we will be more consistent from this point on than we have been up to this point. Yeah. What about you, Lloyd? I guess, guess the key point there is, unlike when we're going toe-to-toe with Liverpool, we don't need to win 15 on the road, do we, to win this league? It's not going to be 100 points. Oh, for the record... After Arsenal's defeat on Wednesday, they can no longer be Centurions. Not that was given that much thought. So the most uh, <laughs> Arsenal can get now is 99 points. So hard luck there. But ultimately, it doesn't feel like someone has to go on a 10-match winning run to nail down this league. They just have to pick up, you know, I don't know, over two points a game average. And that's what will see them over the line. Yeah, but to be honest... Actually, if I look up our fixtures now in the league, I think this of of any stretch left in in the Premier League, this is our opportunity to go on a run. So if you look at our fixtures, we've got obviously Forest this weekend away, followed by Bournemouth away. Uh, then we've got Newcastle at home, Palace away, West Ham at home, Scousers at home, um, who are bottom half. Uh, Southampton away and then Leicester at home before we play Brighton and Arsenal which you know a tough game so yes there's Liverpool and Newcastle thrown in there but that's a decent run of kind of seven eight games there and if if, you know if if City can win you know 85 90% of those games I think that'll put a lot of pressure on Arsenal Um, so I think now is the opportunity if, if we if we are to do it. But I agree, it's not what I don't think it's what will be required ultimately to win the league because I think both City now and Arsenal in the last week have shown that that both teams are capable of dropping more points than we'd be used to in a kind of City Liverpool ding dong over the last few years. Yeah. Uh, well, let's look at the Arsenal match. Uh, obviously, uh, we did a deep dive on the review, so. Uh... If you're not a subscriber, think about subscribing or check out our 15-minute free sample on SoundCloud anyway. 
just George for you, just how satisfying satisfying was the ninety minutes for you? Just how good was City? Were they brilliant, or for you more was it a case of being efficient and taking the chances that that made the difference between the two sides? Yeah, um, it wasn't probably our high flying best in terms of the the way we played, in terms of you know the movements, the passing, free flowing football, but. It, we were brutally efficient and sometimes it's almost more satisfying in that way. Yeah. Especially, especially in the second half when the, it's getting so tense and we only need a few chances and then we just put ourselves out of sight um, with those um, Grealish and Haaland goals. Um, it was it was a great one. And I, I, some people have been saying that the first half we were almost bad, but I, th- I thought the first half we we did what was required. Arsenal were always going to start fast and faster than us. It's what they've done all season. They try and pin teams back in the first 20 minutes. And we withstood that, even though it was a bit shaky at times. They, they had a couple of chances with Nketiah and, and the likes, but we withstood that, got the opener, and we didn't crumble after they equalised as well. We held out till half-time. And then once we got to half-time, I was feeling more confident about it because Arsenal are a, a, a fast-starting first-half team at the moment. And then as the second half went on, yeah, I was just impressed with the mentality we had. And I just felt so much more secure in us when we've got Diaz at the back as well. I think he made a massive difference. Yeah, we're going to get to him in a minute. But as you weren't on the review, it's your chance to talk about that penalty. Was it a horrific yeah. decision for you? Yeah, I mean, it's it's the inconsistency that's winding us all up yeah. at the moment with the officiating. If, if, if that's a penalty, fa- fair enough. Like if going forward but that why hasn't that been given multiple times a week you know every week all season because you see it you see it every week and it just winds you up doesn't it because people saying oh it's Stonewall he's he's run straight into him but well where's Edison supposed to go in that situation he's came out and Ketty's struck the ball past him and Ketty couldn't have done anything else and we cleared the ball and it's, I just, I just don't understand it, and all I just want is a bit of consistency. If that is a penalty from now on, they need to state that it is, and then start giving it. But if they mm. do, then they're going to have a big problem because there's going to be a, maybe a couple of penners, well, uh, you know, every game. That's what we said. Why, why has the law suddenly, you know, this interpretation of that law suddenly changed in the middle of a huge, perhaps title-defining game? It's non, it's that absolute nonsense. Yeah. Uh, just shout out to Rick Navide who replied after. You know, after we chatted about this on the review, you know, he says it's just not a, a foul in that instance. Irrespective mm. of what's happened before, it's not a foul. I slightly disagree. It, the point me and Lloyd, you know, he disagreed with me what me and Lloyd said on the review. The point I was making was it could be seen as a foul because in football, when two players go for a ball and one gets there first, momentum is irrelevant in a way. And they then collide because obviously they can't just stop or disappear. Referees will always give it a, a foul for the player that got to the ball first, always. It's just how it works, whether it's unfair, whether the player can't get out of the way, it doesn't matter. But the key point is it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if that was a foul or wasn't. It's never been given before. That's the point. There's no point arguing for 10, you know, 10 hours whether it, they are fouls or not. They're just not given in football, and it's as simple as that. So why now? So yeah, let's see. Let's just see now if they're given all the time. I think we all know the answer to that, don't we? So, <laughs> and if you're going to change interpretations, then let everyone know. Let the players know. Let fans know. Then they know where they stand. And the facts, no one even appealed 
for the penalty. And uh, yeah, football players will appeal for anything, absolutely anything. A player could chest it away and they'd be screaming handball. So the fact <laughs> Arsenal players did nothing tells you all you need to know. Anyway, back to the football. We did win 3-1. It didn't matter. And that makes it all sweeter. Uh, Lloyd, was the result about mentality and characters, not just tactics, skill and all that sort of thing? Yeah, definitely. I think this is something we covered on the review. But for me, that second half was very much guys of experience, kind of players that have been in big title decider, quote, games before, kind of stepping up and using that nous to ultimately get City over the line. And so I think, you know, in in the moments you saw from your Bernardos, your Kevs, your um, Gundogan's, and obviously Haaland is a you know an elite young player. I think you saw that we just had that level, that gear that I don't think Arsenal did. And that's not to say you know we completely blew them away with with amazing football because I don't actually think that's what happened. I just think in key moments we 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 thrust the knife and we kind of twisted it. So absolutely, and I think that's that is that is the problem that Arsenal will ultimately run into if they are going to you know challenge or beat City for the title this season which is it's almost easier to do the first half of the season run up 50 points smash everyone and no one's that used to this new style of football that you play with but I think what they the problem that they are going to have is a they've made the least changes of any any team in the Premier League in Mm. terms of game to game so what that means is everyone's going to get a bit familiar with what Arsenal are able to do. There'll be a lot more tape to watch and they're not kind of amending game to game, which whilst Guardiola frustrates the shit out of us for, you know, <laughs> a, a new back four every game and, you know, different midfield and blah, blah. It does make it, I think, a lot harder for an opposition manager to know exactly what City are going to do. Before Wednesday, it was 14 changes he's made to teams this season. The next lowest was Newcastle with 23, so... Oh dear, I mean, there we go. So that would concern me as an Arsenal fan. And then I think the other thing is just like the first point I said, that kind of nous experience in in big pressure moments, you know, slightly different team, but Arsenal had a big pressure run in last year and they obviously completely folded. Um, Now, I'm not saying that would happen this season, but, you know, that's not a great experience for them to draw on compared to City, most of City's team being able to draw on, you know, multiple kind of title wins. So those are the two things that I think would concern me a bit as an Arsenal fan. But look, I also don't think they're going to completely collapse. Um, I just think this game at the weekend is is key. But obviously for us to have that in our locker with a lot of our key players and a lot of our starters are older than Arsenal. And I think that has ups and downs. Mm. like positives and um, negatives but I think for like a title running it's obviously got a lot of positives weighted in our favour Right it's time to talk uh, briefly about I want to pick out a few players rather than talk about the match as a whole George you mentioned Ruben Diaz how integral has he been to our upturning for and where's yeah, he been all this time <laughs> I know yeah he's um, been on a few holidays or something I don't know but um, he's uh, he's been absolutely integral he's so I th- he's just such a calming presence to everybody else at the back. I think he's um, he soaks up the pressure probably better than any of our other defenders. Um, always stays focused uh, in those transitions, especially if we lose the ball in our half. He's always there, ready to sweep it up. And um, he's probably the best pure 
defender out of all the centre backs. Um, and in games where we do have 36% possession, which is obviously incredibly low for us, means we're going to have the other team attacking us more. And having somebody like him there um, with his blocks and tackles is is vital, really, if, if you are going to have less of the ball and another team coming on to you for most of the match. Yeah. Uh, two happy faces, Lloyd. Jack Grealish, a uh, bit of a left-field question for you. Has Jack improved or has the team and system around him improved or is it both? And also, just how happy are you for him? Just just look at his face after scoring that goal and you've got your answer really, haven't you? So, yeah, you can't thankfully, he didn't take your shirt off. He uh, thought better of it. So, Well, thank God he didn't. That could have been a bit of a mess. I, to, be, to answer the question, I mean, it's, it's both, but I think it's mainly that Grealish has improved, to be honest, because we've been playing well in parts previously and look at the beginning of the season. We've been playing much better as a team and Grealish has still stood out a bit like a sore thumb in a bad sense. And look, we were playing great at times last season and he just clearly wasn't doing what we needed. I think what Grealish has got to now is he's, he's struck he's, he's struck that balance of, I think, knowing when the right situation is to take a bit of a sting out of the game and kind of drive back into midfield, go on those incredible little runs that he does where he just keeps the ball and it's almost like he's got it glued to his foot and kind of relieve some pressure and picking the right moments when to really attack one-on-one directly at defenders. I think that's the thing he's doing a lot more now. When he receives the ball, and it's not even when he's in great situations, when, for example, he's right out on the left and he's got a defender three, four yards away from him. I think often early Grealish would think, I don't fancy myself here, I'll pass it back to Gundogan and we'll go again. And I'll wait until I've got like a 10, 15 yard run on a defender. Now he's being a lot more aggressive. He's kind of backing himself to go 1v1. And I think the other thing is he's going down the outside a lot more. So, for example, that cross that he put in for Alvarez uh, when he probably should have scored against Villa, you know, went down the outside. Great ball to the back post. Probably should have been a goal. Um, I think we're seeing that more now from Grealish. And... Obviously, the goal is a great example of him kind of arriving a bit Raheem Sterling-esque, who's who's their back post to kind of get the balls it comes across. So I think a lot of it's down to Grealish. No doubt in the last couple of weeks, we've started playing a bit better as a team, but he just looks a lot more um, like a kind of forward in in the Pep team at City. And, you know, I think his, his stats will improve as well. I think there's still room, mm. there's still room for improvement there. I'd like to see more from Grealish, but I think, as we've discussed on many pods, for me, he's been doing the right thing now for the last kind of six weeks, probably since the World Cup. And I think when you are doing the right thing and you're having a lot more shots and you're getting into dangerous areas, I think then then it will come. And that Arsenal game is a good example. I think he got that struck the bit of luck that he's been that he's been looking for with the deflection. Yeah, George finally Erling Haaland. Just the one goal in this match. <laughs> Poor for it. Ending his barren run of uh, three games. I think it's three games anyway. Off the top of my head without a, a goal. Despite only scoring one goal, uh, do you think this was one of his best games for City? We're we, we already perhaps already taking his brilliance for granted because the numbers are just so ridiculous. They kind of don't make any sense. Yeah, it's almost like he's got to the point already where if he 
doesn't get a hat trick or more, then he's the player not in the headlines. One goal is just like expected par for the course. Everybody just shrugs it off, which is a wild place to be less than one full season into your city and Premier League career. Uh, but yeah, he was magnificent. I thought it's, it's a tough test against Gabriel and then William Saliba, two very fast physical centre backs. And I thought he occupied them really well. They had some great duels. Watching the duels he had with them was almost as entertaining as the rest of the game. Those almost turned into a few wrestling matches. <laughs> but um, he occupied them really well. And I think he did get in their heads by the second half. And because he stayed so tight to them in the first half, trying to hold the ball up a bit. Then when he broke off and started drifting between them, they were almost chasing shadows. They didn't know where he was. And because he'd been so such a physical presence in their kind of spheres for the first half, when he wasn't there, they were just you could see them constantly checking heads, turning around. They were, they were so they were so scared of where he was that he stretched them out a bit, and that allowed the room for you know Gundos and De Bruyne to push up further. Are we beginning to use him a bit better in recent weeks? I saw some quote via Prime that you know he's still. I don't know if it was out of context. It didn't sound like him moaning. It's not his style that, you know, he wasn't being, f- it's frustrating that he makes the runs and isn't found all the time. Have you seen a shift a bit of in that respect in recent games? Or? Yeah, I, I saw that quote as well. I, I, um, it wasn't kind of on the, the, the main interview, was it? It was the, came out a bit afterwards. Yeah. Um, the day after, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, but I think we are starting to, I think using that long ball threat, keeps other teams honest and if you if you're playing it over the top to him the defenders know that the high line they can't be as high up with the line rather because he has got the pace to beat most defenders in in a foot race so i think if we start to utilize that threat a bit more especially against the teams who have the high line we will find him more i think we need to probably start getting those through balls we were getting to him in the first few games of the season like I remember against um, especially that West Ham um, away first game his um, that that ball that through ball De Bruyne played I thought that was going to be kind of repeated throughout the whole rest of the season yeah. and we've rarely kind of seen that and he has had to it's kind of been a more whipped crosses where he's he's got the goals from so that's one thing that I do think we need to still press on more with just a simple through ball down the channel because he's got the pace and power. He probably will beat most defenders to it. Lloyd hmm. City are four to seven on <laughs> to win the league now. Yeah. Probably shouldn't have mentioned that. Obviously, it changes every week anyway. Mm. If you take emotion out of it, if it's possible, do you feel like City are now odds on favourite to win the league? Uh, Arsenal have a game in hand that's at home to Everton and around Everton. You know, you've talked about us having quite a, not a bad run of games here, a chance to do a run, but their run of games isn't bad either. They win at Villa and their, you know, their yeah. outlook completely changes again and the, the, you know, the top at least temporarily, they've got that Everton game, they're still banging it. But did a lot change on Wednesday or was it, was it just a case of, well, we've got three points on them? No, I think I think it's a I think it's a really big I think it's a really big moment. I think it's not just not just for the points, not just for the fact that, you know, we're very temporarily top. I think mentally that's very damaging to them. And I think we've seen in previous title run ins and seasons, we've needed to kind of damage the other team. And I, I think, you know, we said on the preview 
for the Arsenal game. I didn't necessarily think we had to win that game to win the title. I would have probably taken a draw if you'd have offered it me before the game. Yeah. And that's mainly because I think Arsenal had damaged themselves with the with all the previous results. But to then go and beat them, particularly when, let's be honest, all the big calls went their way in that game, right? They they got a ridiculous penalty. We had a pen that was over overruled on VAR for offside. It felt like they got all, all of the kind of 50-50s in the game. I, the only thing I think didn't go for, for us is Bernardo maybe should have got booked a bit earlier. But apart from that, I think Arsenal really got the rub of the green. So to not win in that way, I think that is damaging for them. And yeah, they've got a really good run now. So equally, look, again, football can change so quickly. They beat Villa, they could go on a free four match winning run and mm. it's almost forgotten about. And that's how they'll put City back under pressure. But I do, I do, I do think it could be, um, it could be very, very key. And what I found really interesting actually is, obviously, I like my stats right. But so before the game, all of the kind of three key analytics models that model these things out. So there's like Optus, Optus one. Uh, there's one. Is this a supercomputer? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, Optus have one. There's one for five by five thirty eight, and there's one that's done by. Euro Club Index, who are the guys that kind of rank all the teams in Europe, are like who's the best from season to season and game to game, and City and number one, by the way. Um, they pretty much all had City and Arsenal at almost 50% equal prior to that game. Um, and, at, and at points, Arsenal have kind of pulled ahead of us. Now it's completely changed to, to being about 66-33 post post that um, and they are quite often right in my experience over the last few seasons um, so I think you know that kind of bears out how big I think that result was mm. uh, well Villa away then Leicester away the away games may help them to be honest and then Everton and Bournemouth at home you you surely expect them to get six points from those two so Fulham away Palace at home so Leeds at home yeah, they've got away. a good run. It's not, yeah, easily get back on track, easily get back on track. Then it gets trickier after that. So I fully expect them to still bang it and not fade away. It could be the later fixtures that do them, if if that's how it turns out. Uh, you, you talk about uh, Arsenal being lucky in our match. Yeah, I think you've rather overlooked something there, Lloyd, the fact that they're terrible bad luck at the Queen dying, uh, which Jonathan Wilson has said <laughs> Meant that if they'd played us when they were supposed to originally, oh, they'd definitely have won God. that game. So, <laughs> what bad luck that the Queen died and then they played us now. That instead. guy needs a day off. My God. Good God. Is, does he, is, is, is there any joy in his life? I like, mean, do you wonder why fans get frustrated sometimes when they read stuff like that? <laughs> Just, honestly, sometimes when I read some of the stuff he, he puts out, I'm like, do you even like football, mate? Mm. Like, or is this just this like painless like vacuous thing that you just have to write about and you, you get carted all around Europe to watch all the best big games and it's just an absolute misery for you. Well, City fans <laughs> don't, according to him. So is there any joy in winning seven out of eight trophies available? Uh, yes, yes, there is. Uh, <laughs> George, I remember, I'm absolutely sure. I was in a pub, so there's some background noise. I'm sure Clive Chilsey said that this was a great result for United during the game. Uh <laughs> Bizarre how to crowbar them into uh, Arsenal against Manchester City, a clash of the top two. 
But for you, are they still a title threat? They are five yeah. points behind. So, And again, they've yeah, got right. Leicester at home this weekend. They'll probably win that. So. Yeah, I had a, a bit of a chuckle as well when uh, Clive Tilsley came out with that. Oh, he did I say, thought, yeah, I didn't imagine yeah, it now. Yeah, I thought the commentary actually, just quickly, I thought that it was a, it was a, a strange commentary from Amazon. I'm usually a big fan of, of that pairing, but mm. you could, you could feel how gutted they were when, um, when we, um, scored the, the second and the third. Uh, Ali McCoyce um, went a bit rogue on the night, didn't he? So. Yeah, yeah, some, ev- he was like, oh no, ev- everything that, every decision he was like, oh no, that's Stonewall. There's no, no debate around the penner and a few other things. And, um, yeah, it was usually I'm a big fan of that pairing, maybe just for the nostalgia, but, um, but yeah, it was, it was a strange one. And I actually think the best result for United would have been a draw, really. If, if anything was going to be good for them, cause it would have, mm. you know, mean City and Arsenal, nobody took a leap. But I think now we've got five points on them. Arsenal do as well, but Arsenal have the game in hand. Um, I, I just, I look at their team and squad wise, and I, I just can't can't see. I just can't see them being there the last few weeks. I think obviously Rashford's having the season of his life, but even in that Barcelona match last night, you could see how burnt out he was by by the end of it, having to do pretty much everything on his own, attacking wise up top. The only kind of real threat they have. Yeah. Um, I just don't think they have the squad. Really, a few injuries like you've seen what Casemiro's absence does to them in the league. Um, if they get an injury, you know, to um, Martinez or Varane or Shaw, probably Shaw actually out of all the defenders, um, that they'd be in a sticky situation. So, no, I, I, I can't see them challenging right to the end. I think they'll still be a problem for a few weeks whilst they're on, you know, good a good run. But um, no, I, I don't see them being a problem come May. Twenty-two-one insurance bet. If any Blues want to get on that, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lloyd. I saw Stefan mention. Oh. Yeah, that he wants them to progress in the Europa League because obviously, if they're a title threat, he doesn't want them. He wants them occupied. Basically, is that how you feel? If if they are a threat, then let them go deep into the Europa League and take the risk of them winning it. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I agree with what George said. I think United this season, they their starting eleven is strong, but then outside of that, I think they are. They're lacking depth in a few key areas. So obviously, Casemiro has come in and been, you know, utterly imperious. But when he hasn't played, they look a totally different side. I mean, if you take Rashford out of that team at the moment, it, it, you know, where where are the goals coming from? Mm. Rashford scoring all of their goals. I, I actually watched a bit of their game last night against Barcelona, and he was phenomenal again. He's on a ridiculous run. Um, and I don't, to be honest, I don't see that stopping anytime soon because I think he's just clearly playing with such a freedom and such confidence that he's going to go well. But I do think I, I don't think I don't think they'll be a threat to City. I think, like George says, they'll probably be in and around us points wise for the next four to six weeks. But I expect Arsenal City to have enough to keep a bit of a gap on them. Um, but they are obviously dangerous in that. You know, I think they're going to win most of their games. It's just, can they beat, say, a City or an Arsenal in, in, in the reverse of those big games? But we've already played them twice, so thank God we don't have to do that again <laughs> after yeah. what happened at Old Trafford. Um, but no, I mean, look, you can't not be impressed. I, I think, have they not lost since the World Cup? I think that's right. 
I think they're unbeaten mm. since the World Cup, which, to be honest, is pretty ridiculous. Um, so they're they're on a, they're on a good run, but I, I don't see them as a genuine. Now they lost threat. to Arsenal. Was that post? Oh yeah, of course that was. Of course, of course, of course. Yeah, I think they hadn't. I bet lost you're glad they, they did now, aren't you? <laughs> I didn't know what I wanted from that game, and I, I still don't know. I wanted a draw. I know what. Yeah, draw, a draw would game. have been great. They always go for draw if you're not sure. So. Yeah. No, but anyway, I yeah, mean, but the thought of them winning the title is far worse than the. Yeah, oh yeah, I'd rather Arsenal. Yeah. I'd definitely rather Arsenal win it. But okay, yeah, they have lost. But I mean, I'm just looking at their results now. There's a lot of green W's. Um, so Ten Hag's obviously doing a good job. But yeah, I think I think they'll be a bit short of us at Arsenal. Hopefully. Okay. Right. One final point before we wrap up uh, part one. I'm going to stay with you, Lloyd. First, get a quick comment from George. Where well, you said Lloyd done a review. Well, Ace and asked you that if Pep's improved as a manager, and you said yes. All I'm going to say is devil's advocate. Two weeks ago, we were putting the blame on this hodgepodge season on him, pretty much on him a lot, a bit on the players. Mm. So kind of contradicts each other. Which is it? Where do you stand with him right now after you know things have picked up on whether he's improved as a manager or, or has he? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, do you think he is... If the reasons for our problems this season are not on him and he's improvised and shown himself to be the genius he is, or do you feel that he has actually made mistakes this season, isn't at his peak as a, a manager? It's probably a silly question to ask, but I'd be interested mm. in where you stand with Pep in what has been a, a crazy season. Look, Pep, Pep can still make mistakes. Any manager can make mistakes. Yeah. And whilst whilst he's improved, I think, in certain facets... Pep can definitely still make mistakes. I mean, that's just that's just human nature. He is human after all, somewhat. Um, I think if you take this season as a whole, he's definitely made, to me, more mistakes and more strange decisions than probably any other season, I would say, as a city manager. But I think what's been positive about the last two weeks is I think Pep's corrected a lot of his quote mistakes that we were getting frustrated with earlier in the season so his persistence with some of the slightly more fringe players at the at the behest of your Diaz's Laporte's Gundo's KDB's was really frustrating I think obviously not playing up to Haaland to me seemed like more of a pet problem than a player's problem because you just have to think well they've been instructed to do that you know mm. Um, but you know some of the co- recent comments from like Harland and whatever do suggest that it's it's a bit more fifty fifty. It's a bit more on players, whether yeah. Bernardo wants to release the ball when he sees you know Pep's not sat on Bernardo's shoulders when he's got the opportunity to play a ball in behind. Going Bernardo, play it back to play it back to Gundogan. Control, control. Yeah, and and you know obviously they have conversations before games, after games, and Pep will distill what general message he wants, but. I think, you know, maybe sometimes we do give Pep a bit too much flack when actually sometimes it is the players. But I, I've just been infused by what I've seen in the last, particularly the last two games. And I think what we saw from the Arsenal game in particular, to play a slightly more reactive style, to play, to give Arsenal a little bit more of the ball, to press really effectively, and then to take our chances when they come. That's just not something we've seen that much from City. and To have 36% possession and probably be okay with that as well. Shows flexibility. And we still created 
easily the bigger chances yeah. and had the bigger moments off the back of that. And look, I I love our team being the dominant team and having more possession and pinning teams back. That is definitely the approach to go. But in the odd game, in against the right opponent, when when you kind of think that that's the correct solution, I really like that we might be able to do what we did at Arsenal. I think I think that's I think that's the sign of a really well-rounded team. And to be honest, sometimes in the Champions League, I think that's been that's been our Achilles heel. We've we've kind of been too open. We've uh, we've we've controlled games without having that killer moment, and we've been done a bit like we did Arsenal the other night. So, yes, I've had I've had problem with a lot of what Pep's done this season, but I think equally there's a lot more to be positive about in the last couple of weeks. And I think the noises he's made about the key guys being back to their best in training. Because you know, I think we can only assume that some of them weren't playing because of uh, attitudinal problems. All of that kind of stuff definitely bodes well. George, uh, what's your thoughts on Pep? You know, in what's been an up and down season, can it can this be peak Pep at the moment or not? I think he's. There is some aspects I feel like he has improved. Um, substitutions is always something that I, I it was probably the only thing I used to get frustrated with Pep about in previous years you know, keeping the team exactly the same when things aren't working and then making some subs in the 85th minute and kind of as a last resort. And it's like, well, there's not really going to be much impact there, is it? Because the game's over soon. Yeah. But in the last year, I think that's something he's really got better at. And, and in the Arsenal match, um, you know, I think we were all thinking, well, maybe a bit more defensive, um, you know, but be a bit more solid. Bring Ake on for Bernardo and then maybe a Foden or Alvarez for Mares. I didn't see, you know, him bringing Ake on for for Mares and pushing Bernardo up to the right. He, he saw something there, and that was a, obviously pr- proved to be a bit of a masterstroke. So, you know, I'll, I'll give him credit in that part. Cause I feel that's something he has improved on. Uh, in terms of, is this the best iteration of a Pep team? I don't, I don't think it is. I think he can't maybe resign himself. I don't th- for one I don't think he enjoyed the World Cup being in the middle of the season you can no. you can probably tell somebody like Pep how much he enjoys rhythms and um the togetherness in a close knit group that a World Cup in the middle of the season he probably was absolutely human when he found out that was going to be the case um but and I I, th- I think he maybe th- saw the season as as a transition as well you know he was willing to drop so many previously key big players all uh, in the name of you know um of mentality and how and what they're showing like not nothing to do with ability just like the desire they were showing he was he's willing to keep them out the side for as long as long as it took and i think he maybe probably accepted that that was the way to go to maybe start them changing up the squad in january in the summer but i feel the players have responded well for that and i think now maybe he's getting that taste again that we are going to be right up there and I think he himself will be getting in that zone of trying to make a run in the Premier League and obviously the Champions League that starts uh, on in on Wednesday. Yeah, maybe his greatest achievement will be to drag the desire and intensity back into this team that was lacking and is the hardest thing for managed to do season after season after season, we will say. Or perhaps we should be just thanking the Premier League for that, <laughs> for, <laughs> for helping us out on that. 
in that respect. Right, that's a wrap. That's the end of part one. Uh, looking back, we're going to look forward in a bit. But first, I caught up with Nottingham Forest fan Greg to talk about all things Forest, their season and their match on Saturday afternoon. I'm delighted to be joined by Nottingham Forest fan Greg. Uh, good morning, just. Uh, Greg, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Uh, ready for the weekend, so excited to see what's going to happen. Yeah, well, let's uh, let's jump straight in and talk about Forest. Because uh, we talked earlier in the season, uh, I didn't realise it was. A, <laughs> I only just remembered now it was a Wednesday night match that, of course, didn't go well for Forest early in the season. Uh, but a lot's happened since then for both sides, I would say. Uh, how how's it been the return to the Premier League after what is it twenty three years? Was it or? Yeah, 23, it, yeah. 23 years. So how it's, good it felt to be back. I know. It, it's been great. I, go, I mean, I go back to Wembley and just as we'd won the playoffs, mm. sitting on the uh, train platform waiting for the train home and some Huddersfield fans coming up to us and saying, you'll hate it. You'll lose every week. It's great. <laughs> Enjoy today, but you're going to hate the season. You, you won't wait to get back to the championship. But you know, even that game at City, we, I must admit I did spend a lot of the second half in the uh, concourse, <laughs> but <laughs> we had a great steward who let us have a beer and just see a bit of the game, which was just enough, to be honest, but I've loved it. It's been a brilliant experience and in no rush to leave at all. And Yeah, well, earlier in the season, we did pre-season. Uh, reviews of all the teams and I went well you know bought a lot of players and you said you know when we first spoke well you had to in a way there were you yeah. know, there was a lot of players that were leaving uh, loan players you couldn't keep and you had to sign quite a lot mm-hmm. uh, but I you know I said it's going to go one or two ways uh, it's going to go really well this uh, recruitment or it's going to go very very badly it, it reminded me of Fulham a couple of years yeah. uh, previous when he bought but I said the thing in their favour is Steve Cooper who I despite a small CV, really, really impresses me. Now, he was under pressure early in the season with results, and he was given a new contract out of it. That's refreshing. Uh, you Obviously, he must be a god to you, but was there any point early in the season where you had your doubts that it might not work with him? Not for me. Not, not once did I ever think it yeah. was down to like, Steve Cooper's competence. The, the Leicester loss, that 4-0 loss, I genuinely thought that was the last we'd seen of him and I was so gutted. I was more gutted about knowing what was probably going to happen other, like, than the result, to be honest. And uh, it, yeah, it was such a low point, but him getting offered that new contract was such a surprise and mm. yeah, it, it was just brilliant. I mean, we, we've seen what our owners do at Olympiacos and they, they get through a lot of managers. So I think the whole, yeah. the whole crowd was convinced he was done. And I mean, we were, we'd had a terrible run and we lose six nil to you, which is always going to be a free, <laughs> a free hit and one you can get away with, but then five nil at Arsenal. I think it was four nil at Leicester. It was, it was a bad point and I mean, I don't mean to jump ahead, but seeing where we are now, you've got to think it was the, the correct decision by the owners to keep him. Well, well, yeah, <laughs> I think it's fair to say it was, yeah, but it was refreshing. Not, not just to say, not to give him like this dreaded vote of confidence or say we're behind it, but to actually put, here's a new contract on the table is, you don't see that much, do you? No, not at uh, a precise point that a club's not getting results. It's yeah, it is refreshing, I, as I said. I think you guys get it with with 
Pep as well that there's just such a connection with with Cooper and the fan base and you feel like there's a genuine like love and, <laughs> and affection for us and it, it's replicated like tenfold. Uh, so I, like I sit here now and as crazy as this sounds, <laughs> if you offered me like your manager or ours tomorrow, I'd take ours. I just love yeah. it and I, I'd love him to. I'd love him to stay here as, as long as he wants to. If he left on his terms in ten years, I'd be delighted with that. Yeah, how's he integrated himself into the city? Then I read. Uh... It's a piece I'm about to mention in a minute. Uh, I read that even here, he clothes himself in local uh, clubbers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, he's, he's head to toe in his Paul Smith gear. <laughs> <laughs> I think half the club is now. I think uh, he's a local guy, Paul Smith. I think he's a Notts County fan, mate. But uh, yeah, it's no good one's to perfect, see. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it's good to see. And yeah, he has. He's embraced the city. He. he he understands what we're about as well. He does, he gets it, he gets the fans. Uh, I loved it when we were still in the relegation. He always does these fist pumps. Mm. And uh, when we were still in the relegation zone and we hadn't won many games, we, we won one, I can't even remember who it was, and he didn't do them. And everyone got it. He was like, yeah, because we're, we're in this relegation zone, we can't be celebrating yet. And I think once we beat Liverpool, he started to do them again. And you could tell he was like... Just everything had, had changed. This momentum had started a little bit, and it, it's been a great few months. Mm. The piece I was referring to is by Nick Miller in the Athletic. Yeah, he's a Forest fan, of course, as most football journalists seem to be. Uh, not a good Forest <laughs> fan. <laughs> Daniel Taylor, Daniel Story, uh, I think Jamie Jackson's one. Yeah, uh, must just be a, a rites of passage. You must become a journalist if you support the club yeah. as well. But he wrote about how the club's fortunes have revitalise the whole city. Is that fair yeah. to say? Yeah, I read it. and I, like, It's like when they spoke about the Trent Nav, that's our local pub, that's our pre-match mm. pub. And, and it was good anyway, even in League One, we'd go in there and it was a bit busy, but they've built this like ridiculous fan zone at the back of the pub now. And it's packed. There must be like 500 people in the pub every game, even if we lose after the game. And you see what, what it must be doing for the city. Like our friends have even like our friends setting up a food stall now and that's doing really well and yeah. just little things where you think if if we stay in the Premier League for a, a few more a few more seasons it'll do wonders for the city I, I saw something else as well we're only like the 11th most visited city in the country at the minute it's quite a small city aren't you yeah, yeah but we, we've got a lot of history yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like well, I mean just know, size wise yeah, yeah oh yeah people, absolutely yeah, it's a small yeah, absolutely. city yeah and uh, you think, you know, if you're on this world stage week in, week out, it can only be good. It can only yeah. be a good thing. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a, a great article. Uh, as f- as for the team, uh, yeah. I will, oh, just f- just one little extra thing. I just I always remember this thing United fans said to me when we were in the like third tier of English football. He said, "I missed." Yeah, you know, it sounded patronising at the time. He said, "I missed the rivalry with you because it's not the same if you're you know two divisions." <laughs> I down. know where this is going. And I joked, yeah, I joked and went, "Yeah, be careful what you wish for." And I obviously didn't mean that at all because I couldn't even envisage us ever beating them, let alone uh, <laughs> having a rivalry. But yeah, Notts County. Do you want them to? Do you want them to continue to be rubbish, or is there a little oh, bit right. in you that wants them to rise through? No, I thought you. Rivalry? I thought you were going to go the Derby route, but Notts County. I want them to get promoted 
I genuinely do. My mum was a is a county yeah. fan, not for an armchair one as that, but. Uh, you speak to my wife and she wants them in the lower division than they're in now. (laughs) Yeah, I I want them promoted. I think, again, it's good for the city. We often like loan them players and uh, as much as I enjoy the Wrexham story and I enjoyed watching it on TV, I think Knots are really trying to do it by grinding it out and uh, without as much money as Wrexham. So I'd love to see them back in the league again. I just think it'd be better. For okay. everyone around these parts. Explain Derby then. Uh, I never, <laughs> Have I picked the wrong rivalry? I've I never, rivalry. yeah. I never want to play them again. We, do you know what? We spent years and years in the same division, even before I was born, like the 70s, they, they were similar. And it's just, you cannot get rid of them. So finally, <laughs> you know, that re- every single season, two games, and yeah, you'd win some. And it was just like the frustration. I've got no interest in rushing back to play them again because they're certainly not going to be in the Prem. So the only way is going to be if we keep, if we drop down and I've got no desire for that. So they can stay where they are for me. <laughs> but is that a, a proper rivalry? I mean, you, what are you, yeah. about 15 miles apart, would I say? Is yeah, that, it's yeah. 10 miles and, 10 like, miles. Br- and it's Kilometers one road. Mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, Brian Clough's obviously the... Uh, yeah. The thing that, that divides and almost united the two cities. And they are so similar in size. And we're obviously a lot better, a lot more going on. But yeah, they, it's a proper rivalry and it has been for years. But I'm glad it's uh, on the back burner for <laughs> yeah, a long no, time. I've had enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, let, let's look at your team then. Uh, you have brought in a, a lot of players since you came up and yeah. we've just had a transfer window. So in came a few more. Uh, generally... Obviously, Cooper must take credit for uh, for your you know your I would call it success this season. You've done yeah. well, but has bringing in those huge players it generally worked. Uh, how does Cooper use the squad? Is it a hardcore that play most matches, or has he used a big squad and rotated a lot? No, the, there is a, definitely a hardcore now. Uh, however, we have desperately needed these signings and I'm repeating myself from when we spoke back in August but just as an example uh, we signed Felipe uh, Mm. who your Jack Grealish must love him I'm sure he can't wait to see him but um, if we hadn't have signed him we'd have had one fit centre-back for the game against you Mm. like we literally we lost our two main centre-backs against Fulham in the same minute of the game uh, yeah. Two separate injuries, just freak, really bad luck. So I know we've made the signings, but by God, if we hadn't have, we we honestly wouldn't have had a, a second centre-back to play this weekend. And he's, I mean, Philippe, as good as he is, he's not got the, probably not got the match fitness yet. So it really, it really is going to be a, an interesting one in that position. But um, yeah, I think we made six in January, so not, oh, not as many easy as some... <laughs> A quiet, a quiet window then. Yeah, but we honestly have had to do it. If we hadn't, yeah. we'd have been in such a pickle. And it's some of these players that have really made the difference. Like the standout one by far for me has been Morgan Gibbs-White. He's been mm. worth every penny and some. Well, you picked him out be... early in the season. Has he yeah. fulfilled his potential? Oh, big he's, he's fulfilled it and gone further. And some, yeah. Yeah, he, you could, we're not used to like, Premier League quality football. <laughs> We're not used to watching it. And that very first game against Newcastle, it was like, bloody hell, these, <laughs> these look good. 
and having a player that can match the, that quality of players. And, and you really can see it when he when he gets his confidence and there'll be like a, a 10 minute spell in a game where he just lights it up. It's so exciting. Yeah. Well, speaking yeah. of uh, coups, Kayla Navas. Yeah. Might be getting on a bit now. Well, in, in goalkeeper terms, I don't, I think don't really 36. matter, does it? 36. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, this is a, a guy City have come up against and been thwarted by in the Champions League quite a while. Uh, you must be pretty pleased to get him. Uh, I couldn't er- believe it. I know, but <laughs> earlier in the season, we were picking up, rightly so, Henderson. Now yeah. he's out, of course, with mm. Fiongi for five weeks. What happens when he comes back? And Yeah, but even so, that's... That's a couple of great keepers you've got there and quite a competition. I think it just, yeah, it just, we see what Navas does over the next four or five games and then the decision's made then, I'd imagine, mm. because he has had a good start. I know we, we lost against Fulham on Saturday, but uh, the Leeds game, I think they had 70-odd percent possession playing us at our place. Mm. Uh, within five minutes, he made like a double save that really was like the city grounds. Like, oh, hello. <laughs> he, yeah. he, he could help us. Uh, it surprised me, you know. He doesn't look that big, like you see him compared to others, and he, he just doesn't look that big in his goal. But he's fantastic. He really is, and his distribution's good. So I, I just don't know. I think if Henderson was to sign for us, because they are both lone goalkeepers, then I'd oh, yeah, obviously want. That, yeah. I'd really want him to to be the starter. Uh, and I suppose towards the end of the season, that might be a good key if if we are safe. And if Henderson's playing week in, week out, I'd imagine that's because we're looking at signing him because he's, he's obviously got no future at Man United. I think he burnt them, them yeah. bridges. So don't give him too much. Oh, no, he's not playing because he's not. I was going to say, don't give him too much stick because he's stuck the knife in your rivals a bit. <laughs> uh, it's probably stating the obvious when a team comes up, but home form will be vital in yeah. Forest staying up. He beaten Liverpool, of course. Uh, oh, I was on yeah. the tram to a match. It must have been, was it an early game? Like half 12? I can't remember. It yeah, must I have been. Was. Cause it was I was, yeah, because yeah, I was on the way to a City match and the full time came in and <laughs> the tram was bouncing because uh, <laughs> I think they'd beaten us the week before. Uh, you've drawn with Chelsea, knocked Spurs out the cup and yeah. Did you beat them in the league as well? Or no, they no. weirdly they well not weirdly, but they beat us two 0 at home, at our oh, place. Right. But it was one of our best performances, yeah, so. and we we like we came away from that like confident and clapped them all off, of course. And it it really did. I think that game kind of made us realise, you know what, we we probably could compete with some of these teams and get some results because yeah. you well, know we've we've only scored three away, so the home form is what. What's going to keep us up? But the point is, it's not going to be like the reverse fixture at the Etihad, is it? This is a completely, for City, a completely different proposition. I really hope so. Uh, obviously, you just never know. Like we, I think this is the, the, the biggest one yet, obviously. Mm. Whether Man City are the Man City of a year ago, two years ago, I, I don't know. But this is... Like you say, we played Liverpool, who are like a mid-table team at the minute. Chelsea are similar, and Man City are the first of the the real, real top top two, three teams that are going to come to us. So it's going to be fascinating, and I really, I honestly don't know if we're going to be damage limitation or we somehow manage to get a bit of possession because. 
like I say, we we only had thirty percent possession, I think, against Leeds. So well, we're we going to be 36, giving... We had thirty six against Arsenal. It shows possession. Oh is, right, uh, yeah, okay. the lowest ever from Pep Guardiola. Uh, doesn't always matter how much no. <laughs> possession you have. Because on on our podcast yesterday, I just kept saying we we'll probably get two or three chances. There's got to be a good cross in. <laughs> a good Gibbs White crossing and someone like Wood on the end and of Wood, it. So, yeah. yeah, I think that's going to be our, our but, route of attack. But how damaging could injuries be? Because you named yeah. the two centre-halves that went down almost yeah, yeah. instantaneously last week. But that's not mm. they're not the only injuries you've got, are they? No, no. You know, that was a Premier League record for a team having to make two substitutions. Wow. <laughs> seven, seven minutes. <laughs> um yeah, like the injuries have been bad, but because we built the squad, yeah. we've we've covered. So, for example, the centre backs. These two, I mean, Worrell, who's come in, is club captain, and uh, oh God, I'm forgetting names already now. Uh, <laughs> You've signed so Felipe, many players, Felipe. <laughs> Felipe is like, I mean, Atletico Madrid, Champions just, League. Just say a random surname, and there's probably yeah. a fifty percent minimum chance that you've got a squad player with that name. <laughs> do, do you know what the crazy thing is, though? When Cooper had to make the ridiculously hard decision the other week for the twenty-five man squad, yeah. he left Steve Cook out of it, yeah. and he's like a he's one of the centre backs who got us promoted. Uh, so we're desperate for him now. He'd have started on Saturday. Mm. Uh, and they've actually asked the Premier League for special dispensation. That's not going to happen. Uh, no. Like no club it's not in the right mind. Is it, no, so. exactly. But weirdly, Forrest keeps saying we're confident that they're going to allow it. I can't see it at all. Mm. And why would it? Imagine a Southampton or a Bournemouth saying, hang on a minute. Mm. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it is. It's a real challenge for him with the, with the injuries. But. Like Henderson, one of the best English goalkeepers, uh, gets injured and then we get a three times Champions League winner. Mm. This isn't the forest I've grown up with. <laughs> it's, I mean, you you lot more than anyone understands it, understand like the differences and you just think, God, like, were we really signing these players? And that's why I'm so desperate for us to stay up. Because I think that the win- next window, we're not signing 30 players. It'll be fascinating what we do. Yeah, it's kicking. Well, it's kicking on, isn't it? If you stay yeah. up, and obviously the mm. the riches of the Premier League, yeah, then you can stay up and be become once more an established Premier League side. So, yeah. how do you think Forest? Uh, how how is Cooper going to set Forest up for this match? Is it really going to be like a deep block and look to get you? Yeah, you, know, you talked about you had a you had pace at fullbacks. You said uh, when we spoke earlier in the season. Are you going to be a deep block and look to to break with pace? Or? Yeah, and it, like Aurier, our, our right wing back, he's he, I think he's going to be key because mm. when you read about your like world beating team, it's your it's your left hand side that might come a little bit unstuck. You here, so I think that and Jono as well. Jono's raw pace; he's got such raw pace, and his ceiling's only going to get higher. Uh, a young academy player from us, he, he's going to be key as well. If we manage to get you on the break, like Villa did with that goal at the Etihad, yeah. I think that that would be a classic Jono-type goal for us. Uh, so I think that'll be it. And then Gibbs-White's crosses, if Scarpa plays, his, his set pieces are superb. And Shelby showed when he came on against Fulham that he can put a good ball in. 
So I just think it's, I mean, you've you've thrown me now by saying that you only had 30% possession against Arsenal, but if you give us the ball, I think that's going to benefit you. If we manage to let you have the ball a bit and just try and break you, that's that's going to be the, yeah. the time where we, we hope to get something. I think City's possession stats may be a tad higher on Saturday than they were on Wednesday. To yeah, be I, so. I I said yesterday I won't be surprised if we're in like the twenty twenty odd percent yeah. category tomorrow. And and just style of play. Do the Forest press much? Do they do a high press, or is it is the I, is it all about intensity the, and yeah, covering ground? Or it's yeah, intensity. Yeah. It's intensity and it's counter attacking. Yeah. And if Colback plays, it's it's not leaving you alone. Yeah. Like it's when you've got the ball, we're round your feet, and it's two or three of us that are around there trying to get it off you, trying to nip at your ankles, and just like annoying, annoying the opposition. I'd say yeah. as well, and then and then we get it. It could be a long ball or, or passing it out. We we haven't got really a, a set way of doing things, which I like. It's the unpredictability of yeah. it. Indeed. Well, flexibility as well, which yeah, I like yeah. from Pep because that that was our lowest possession stats in almost eleven years. So, and the lowest in his managerial career. So, it was, it it was weird seeing City and it not worked, having which the is ball. And it worked. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice when you got a manager. Yeah, not got one way. So, but after City, just uh, before I ask you, I'm afraid for a score prediction. <laughs> after City, you've got West Ham away yeah. in Everton at home so you've got some yeah I think you're four points clear of the relegation zone you've got six at, key, six at the minute six oh that's okay yeah. that's mm. so you've got some key games coming up after City haven't you if you can get at least four points from those games you set up you pretty well that's exactly what I was going to say out of these next three games if we get four points no matter where they come from I will be absolutely delighted before the Fulham game we've managed to get 11 points since January the 1st and it that put us top of the form team, but it was it was like Southampton away and the like Leeds at home and, and teams that we had to beat to stay up. And it's kind of the same now with the West Ham and especially Everton at home. That's yeah. going to be a, a fascinating one because Sean Dyche and Ian Wotan, uh, they've got tickets for Forest when they've been out of management. They've been coming to every single game so because they live in Nottingham. There's not yeah. going to be a, a managerial team that know our side better than anyone. So that, that'll be a real fascinating game. And if we can just get something, you know, giving us the points, but taking them off those ones behind us would just be like crucial. Yeah. Okay. Well, a score prediction for the game then. Oh, do you know, I, I, yours is the only one that I remember from last time. And I was a little bit too confident. Okay, there's nothing <laughs> wrong with that. So. I just think if we somehow managed to get an early goal and then hang on, even if you scored in the 94th minute to make mm. it a draw, I'd take that now. I think get a goal by hook or crook and then hang on for clear life, uh, dear life. But I'd say now and I'd take it one all. It'd just be unbelievable for us. <laughs> <laughs> and it would set you up for, yeah, the two big yeah. games after us. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, City have won... Th- Three one, <laughs> two games this week. So I'll just go for that again. But yeah, yeah. I do honest, honestly, hand on heart, think it will be a tight game. And I wonder we've got Champions League coming back on Wednesday. If Pep's mind will be half on that as well. So yeah. depends if you know the result of the Arsenal match spurs them on to new heights or they go backwards again. It is a potential banana skin from where I'm looking at. But hey, 
I've been, It'll a, pessimist. Be, uh... been a pessimist for 40 <laughs> years, so I'm, I ain't changing that. And your home record is good. Yeah, yeah we're not You're not going to get thrashed at home, I'll put it that way. So, and it'll yeah. be nice for uh, Haaland to come back to the... The original club he supported when he was a kid. <laughs> Not another one he supported. It's Leeds, City and Nottingham Forest. Well, we had, we had Hofi and uh, these photos. Yeah. I hope his dad comes, actually. I don't think yeah. he's really been back to the city ground. And I think he does follow him, doesn't he? He goes to the game. So yeah, he does if Haaland does yeah. play, I'd really like to know that he's in the crowd and seeing oh. some old faces. Well, let's hope so. Uh, Greg, thank you very much for taking the time out. Uh, no, I enjoyed it again. And As I always say, after this weekend, all the best <laughs> with uh, the season. Because, yeah, I would absolutely love you to become a staple of Premier League football. So. Oh, brilliant. Well, hopefully yeah. we'll be talking again next season. Then. Yeah, even though the Championship is great fun. But, yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> not when you've been in it as long as we <laughs> it, it can be, yeah. <laughs> uh, just finally, before you go, a uh, shout-out to where we can find you online, other podcasts you do, and you know, uh, just yeah, uh, promote yeah, yourself so on, if you want. So. I'm on the Garibaldi Red podcast, and we do that a couple of times a week, and it's becoming quite popular. That's another thing about the Premier League. Suddenly the figures go shooting up for things <laughs> like that. And uh, I'm part of Fuzz, Fuzz Garibaldi, our fan group that like organise displays, and we've got a big pre-match uh, tomorrow actually we're hiring out a pub and we've got live music and everything so that'll be good oh, uh, but yeah on Twitter mainly Gerg Mitch is my my uh, own yeah. personal account so brilliant okay yeah, that's it well thanks again uh, yeah I uh, appreciate you taking the time out and we go back to the panel now as we preview Saturday afternoon's match right that was uh, Greg talking about Nottingham Forest uh, thank you again and yes I Managed not to say Knott's Forest during that, so that's a, that's a tick next to me for, for that interview. Let's look at the game ahead on Saturday afternoon. Uh, George, going to start with you. Of course, Arsenal will have played Villa by the time we kick off. That might affect the mood. Uh, if they've not won, then it'd be even more intense. The opportunities of midweek, the opportunities here to really stake a claim for that title are bigger, but Forest have been very competitive at home. Does this reek of a potential banana skin for you, or do you think that Arsenal result means the team will be focused and absolutely competitive and you know, in the intensity will be there and be ready to to kick on now and uh, be professional and get three points? Yeah, I think um, it will be a tough match. Forest have got a lot, to, a lot to play for, and like you say, have been very strong at home. And a few players that they've brought in are performing well. You know, Kalor Navas, that one of the most random transfers you'll see in modern football. Kalor Navas to yeah. Nottingham Forest. Um, he's he's looked really solid in the games he's played. Um, Gibbs White is starting to look a lot sharper for them. Um, looking like they've spent the money wisely now. And Brennan Johnson is a real threat with his pace. So they they're going to be up for it. Um, there's a lot of stake for them. But I think after the after the Arsenal result, I think that will have made a lot of our team really switched on, and um, and they want to keep their places in the team as well. These people who've got back in, you know, I don't think anybody's levels will drop off. Um, the likes of um, Diaz, um, Grealish, and Mares, obviously they'll they'll want to keep their places going with a fine form. So I think we're going to be switched on for it. But I, it will be a tough game. I can't see it. I can't see us blowing them out the water. We're going to have yeah. to lock into this mentality that we've got and really grind it out. 
probably a you know a, a one one nil two one kind of score. I'm expecting I'm expecting a real tight game. Lloyd, what about you? Uh, have you seen much of Forest this season? Uh, what are you expecting from them? Mm. Yeah, I've I've watched I've watched a decent bit of Forest this season actually. Um, they've been a lot better. I'd say in this second half of the first bit of the season. And I think that's natural given they signed every man and his dog <laughs> over the summer. Um, I think it was 33 new players in total, which is absolutely ridiculous. Um, but Cooper's clearly, a, I think, a really good manager, a Premier League standard manager. And I think he's obviously kind of worked out what his best team is roughly now. Yeah. So I think at, at Forest. They've, they've been really dangerous, haven't they? Um, you know, that ground that ground can be very loud. It's kind of still an old-style ground. They're, they're still, you know, reveling in the fact that they're in the Prem. So Forest away is definitely a much more difficult fixture than, than playing them at the Etihad. Now, I'm glad it's a 3pm because if, if, if we were in Arsenal's position and we were playing them... Saturday twelve thirty, I would be a bit more nervous than I am. Yeah, or five thirty in a way under the or, lights. Exactly. Be, yeah, yeah. times three do is, matter, don't they? So three is just a bit easier, isn't it? Yeah, um, and also it being a blackout game, I don't know. I just feel like that just exists a bit more in a vacuum. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not got everyone watching it. Um, now, I think the key thing though to note is they've got an injury crisis at the moment. So oh, they're bad. down to the last 78 players, are they? So bad <laughs> that, and I can't believe that they're putting this forward, that they have, uh, they've, they've tried to register Steve Cook back on their 25-man Premier League list. Now, he was, he was yarded in January because they signed two more central defenders. Yeah. And I think both Willie Bolly and, I can't remember the other bloke, but their two centre-backs went off injured in the last game. They're now going to have to play Joe Worrell and Felipe, who is a summer signing. And they've tried to say, almost like when you lose all three goalkeepers, <laughs> yeah. which like never happens, but did happen to City in 2009-10 when we had Martin Fulop and we signed him on loan, um, that they now need to bring Steve Cook back in, which is such a straw man argument. I'm sorry, that should definitely be refused. And if I was a fan of any of the other relegation teams, I would be like, no chances. But, They've got injuries across the pitch as well. So I think probably an okay time to play them, given that both their cent- starting centre-halves are out. Yeah, they both, they both went down at the same time, didn't they, seven minutes into the Fulham game? Or yeah, within really a minute weird. of each other anyway. So. It, was really, it was really weird. Really, really weird. Um, so, yeah, I expect... I still expect a tough game. Gibbs White, I think, is a top player. Always been impressed with him. He was great at Sheffield last year. Brendan Johnson's obviously run into a bit of good form, so you know they've they've got they've got a few kind of danger men, but you'd, you'd hope we'd have enough, particularly with how the last couple of games have gone. Yeah, Ryan Yates out there on us. Uh, Jesse Lingard's a, a doubt. Achilles Andy, Kiate hamstring, Richards hairline fracture of the leg. Uh, Near Carte, hamstring, Dean Henderson is of course out, but you know, they've got not got a bad backup as uh, George said. Uh Bianco probably said that wrong, uh, an ACL. So and Bowley could be out for the season as well. He yeah, could be out for three months. So yeah, it's quite a list, but as you say, they've got plenty of players there, so they shouldn't be short. Are you con- yeah, before we look at the team Lloyd, are you confident that we see a, f- a focused city going into this one? I think so, yeah. I feel like 
I feel like those kind of levels have just come back in the last kind of 10 days. And I think it would it would kind of be ridiculous to have done particularly what we've done at Arsenal and then drop points against Forest. It would mm. almost be like, lads, like you've done all the hard work. Um, so I, yeah, I, I think we're hopefully beginning to see City kind of really get their their metal back, and I think that's where that's why you know I think all of us have wanted the quote big players to be back in the team because I think they're they're much used to that, much more used to that kind of constant consistency week after week of yeah. of, of high level performance, and I think having someone like Diaz, for example, back in back as part of the furniture is key for that because he he's great at kind of managing the other the others within the game keeping levels high sometimes just screaming at them just to just to concentrate or whatever so yes i i think i think we should be okay and look i expect arsenal will win but if they don't and they drop points i mean you could not ask for more incentive for city to get three points mm. all right let's look at city then george Unchanged side? Do you see many changes being made? Uh, any? I mean, we've been playing this game for years, and we we <laughs> don't have a <laughs> chance of saying what the team. I've got it right once, I think, since Pep arrived at the club, uh, and I let everybody know <laughs> across many social media platforms that I'd uh, named the team correctly. It's an impossible task in a way. But do you think after that result, and you know, almost three days rest? Uh, He'll he won't want to be changing too much from that team. No, um, you would think it will be unchanged. I mean, the only the only reason you know you can see him tinkering. Well, two reasons: one, he's Pep, and two, <laughs> um, the, the turnaround of the games uh, is pretty fast now. We've got obviously Forest tomorrow, then we've got Leipzig on Wednesday, and then we've got Bournemouth the following Saturday, and then Bristol at the Cup on Tuesday. So it's a game every kind of you know three days, mm. so there's going to be some changes. It's just which game games those come in. I could I I see him going with a very similar side against Forest, and then maybe mixing things up in the Champions League game in terms of maybe the forward line or the midfield. Uh, but the only change I could see for Forest is maybe is Ake and Lewis coming in. Um, Ake from the start and then Lewis maybe coming in for Walker just to give Walker a bit of a rest and then play him in the Champions League but apart from that I think it will be pretty much I don't think the forward line is going to change for the Forest game I think it'll be Haaland Grealish Mahrez midfield will be Rodri KDB and uh, Gundo and then yeah I think it could be Ake Diaz Kanji Lewis, maybe. the Laporte. What's going on? Yeah. What is going it, on? I, um, yeah, I think I think Lloyd said it um, on one of the other pods about how it's very strange his his absence and if it continues at the same time as these Guavadol um, rumors continue to grow, it's only pointing in one direction for me, mm. which is a shame because I feel like. In terms of our build-up from the back, he is one of the best at that. He's left-footed, which Pep obviously loves. And the way we play out from the back with him there is so much slicker. But sometimes, you know, it, 
do we need that more one-on-one defending <laughs> with Diaz and the more pure defending? If I don't know, but it's, it is a mystery. But I, I can see him going in the summer if this continues because he's he, he he's not exactly short on confidence in himself, and if he's not playing week in week out, he will try and get a move elsewhere. Uh, Lloyd, your thoughts? I guess yeah. If there's changes, as always, most likely to be in defence. Laporte could come in, Ake could go to left back. If Bernardo's moved away from that kind of hybrid role that's kind of around left back, he could move further forward. There could be a change there. Do you see there being many changes? I think we'll see a few changes actually this weekend. I think with Leipzig next week, I think Pep will want to shuffle the pack a little bit given we played Villa and Arsenal quite quickly so I actually think Foden's going to come back in for Mares. Wow. I think I think we'll see I think we'll see Foden and I think we'll see Mares back in the in the Champions League I think we'll probably see a back four because I think he'll want to give Bernardo a rest from having to do that job because like I tweeted this yesterday like I think that's so, that must be such a difficult thing for him to do like not just physically but mentally mm. I think the concentration levels must be like off the charts, even compared to what he has to do in midfield. So I think he'll probably want to allow him an opportunity to rest from that. So I think we'll probably see a more conventional back four and then probably Rodri, Gundo, KDB in midfield. I don't know what the back four is going to be, to be honest, because... What do you want to see then? I'd like, I mean, I'd like to see Laporte play. I'd, yeah. I'd put Ake at left back. I'd, I'd play Diaz on the right side and then I'd play one of um Lewis or Walker. I wouldn't I wouldn't hate it at all if Lewis played this game. Again, particularly with an eye on on Leipzig where I think Walker has to play. So I, I would quite like to see that, but we just haven't seen many back fours recently from Pep. So yeah, to me I could what I could see is Foden for Mares, Lewis for Walker, and then maybe um, Laporte for say Bernardo that, that's what I could maybe see but look who the hell knows I mean <laughs> yeah. my god you do you can't think, predict this guy or do you think you'll be thinking about Leipzig or focused on this definitely. game definitely yeah. I mean Pep's always thinking about the Champions League I, mm. I know he always says the next game is all I'm focused on but he will definitely be thinking about about next Wednesday and getting the players in the right condition and to be honest I actually do think the last couple of games, Mahrez's level has gone a little bit down. Not much, but a little bit. And I think him getting hooked against Arsenal was a small sign for that. So I do think there's a chance Phil comes in. And that's a little bit of a message to Mahrez, just to keep him on his toes. Hmm. Uh, George, as for the game itself, how do you see it playing out? Is it a case of Forrest would just sit deep? And the... When I spoke to Greg earlier in the season, they definitely had plenty of pace. Uh, but again, I don't know. Who, you don't know with this far. Even more predicting the City side, I guess with the number of players for us, they've got any injuries. I don't know who's play, uh, going to play line up against us on Saturday. They did have pace at full backs, of course. We didn't see that in the reverse fixture. We absolutely uh, battered them, but this will be a different type of game. Do you think they're just going to sit deep and try and get us on the counter-attack? And it could be a frustrating afternoon. Yeah, I think they will let us have the ball. It's not going to be like obviously the Arsenal match where they thirty six percent possession against Nottingham. Yeah, not a good yeah. Forest. So I think we could see we could double that in this game. 
Um, their their last game they lined up Navas in net, um, Sergio Aurier, Bowley, McKenna, Lodi, Mangala, Frula, Johnson, Gibbs White, Scarper, Chris Wood. So that is set up really. Like I say, pace at fullbacks, two very defensive midfielders, and then the, the pace and Gibbs White. Yeah. yeah, pace and Gibbs White and Johnson, and then. Chris Wood is the target man for for the crosses and long ball, hold it up, and also to bring Gibbs White and Johnson into play. So they will just try and hit us on the counter, and I think maybe that will. Wait, sorry, Chris Wood plays for Forest. Yeah, <laughs> you'd yeah. be amazed what? just how. Oh yeah, well, we've just had another transfer window, Lloyd. Another twenty-seven players have come in, so. I completely missed that. Yeah, I missed it as well. I looked at, I saw it yesterday. And went, hey. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, you, there's always some of them in January. It's like um, when I was watching um, match of the day at the um, at the weekend, and I saw Bednarak um, score their own goal for Villa. I was like, "When did he go? When did he get back <laughs> <Yeah>. there?" <laughs> I, I had no no idea. Um, but yeah, Chris Wood. Um, not not so worried about about him. He's he obviously a big physical presence, but it's more that that Gibbs White and Brennan Johnson axis that will um, yeah. that will be our will trouble us and. Maybe that will play into Pep's decision with who he picks at the back. With um, you know, people faster defenders. Maybe he'll, maybe it means he'll keep Walker in at least to start the game, and then look to bring Lewis on later later on. Similarly, maybe he'll that means he'll play a Kanji for the, for the pace uh, at the back. Uh, but I think we'll dominate the ball, but it will be tough. Um, I, I I can't see us battering them like we did um, earlier in the year. With the Harland hat trick, I'd be very, very surprised if that was the case because well, different yeah, proposition, they, aren't they? At their own grounds, yeah, and it's, and especially as because if they can get anything out of this game, it'll be a massive bonus for them because they've got two real crunch match yeah. crunch uh, crunch matches next in um, I think it's West Ham and Everton have they got yeah um, so two they're against two teams there that are fighting down there with them. So if they can get even a point off us, it will be it'll be a massive result for them. So they're not going to give us an inch. So it'll be a, a low scoring game, I think. Uh, yeah, I think I did look them up earlier. They, it's yeah, West uh, West Ham away and then Everton at home. So yeah, opportunities there. Two big games. Lloyd, are you for, worried at all? Uh, before I wrap up and ask for your score predictions, are you worried at all that it could become a frustrating afternoon because? The age-old problem of uh, two banks of four, so to speak, a deep defence, always getting through. Or have we got past that now? I'd like to think we're getting back into our rhythm now, mm. to be honest. But I think you know a game like this will will really show that by five pm exactly where we're at. So I'm pretty confident going into this game. I, I, I don't. I think we'll be fine. Um, I expect. I expect it'll be tight, and Forest will definitely threaten. And so I think it's going to be. I don't see City putting up like three or four goals, for example. But um, I'm pretty confident we should have enough to get over the line. And I think after what has happened and how things have spun, there's you know there's an, I think there's enough metal between these players and coaching staff to realise that this is a moment that they can't not grasp. Yeah, a hat trick of three ones will do me for the week. So I'm going to predict that. Lloyd, what's your score prediction for this game? I think we desperately need a clean sheet because we just can't keep them at the moment. So I'd love one, but I'm not sure I can see it. So I think 
2-1, maybe 2-0 if we can hold out. Okay. Uh, George? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd love a clean sheet. Um, so I, I'm going to go with 1-0 Jack Grealish goal as my prediction. Ah, a nervy 90 minutes. A nervy affair, yes. Okay. Uh, right. I think we've we've covered everything and put the world to rights. Uh, George, thank you very much for taking the time out to come on today. Appreciate it. No, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, Lloyd, thank you very much. Pleasure as always, Howard. Yeah, that is a wrap. Uh, We're all off to watch our stuff on TV, just like in the old days. Uh, Take care, everyone. Stay safe. Have a great weekend. And as always, up the blues.